Hello, and welcome to the CBC The Rim podcast. CBC The Rim is a church in San Antonio, Texas. Due to COVID-19, our gatherings look a little different right now, but we encourage you to make space to lean in and listen to what God wants to say to you. We also encourage you to participate as you listen. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, what's up, CBC The Rim? I most definitely missed you guys last week, but I was so honored to get to have Pastor Scott here teaching on kindness, and uh, he did a phenomenal job. And so I just want to publicly again say thank you so much, Pastor Scott, for just your investment in into our family. Uh, you've spent the last decade investing your life into me, and uh, just super grateful as we get to share that uh, with our family. So we love you, and uh, I'm glad to be back. Uh, we are finding ourselves in week 14 uh, of this virtual digital online gathering. And uh, it, to say it's been interesting uh, would be an understatement, but here's, here's what we believe. And we've been saying this often as just as a team and even just online, that we believe that we are not experiencing a lesser version of the church right now but that we're actually being all that God has called us to be. It just looks a little different. And this sermon series was kind of birthed out of that. We've been just, I think we're in week six of the series called Church in the Wild, which just comes from the Jay-Z Kanye West song that communicates this idea that when crisis hits, when things get crazy, uh, all of a sudden the church disappears. And people begin to to not love one another. They begin to focus on themselves and there's no expression of God in the community. And we're just speaking against that and saying that's a bold-faced lie. But the truth is that it's actually in the wilderness that God's people are meant to step up and not just survive, but actually thrive. That it's in the wilderness that God begins to prepare uh, for himself a people that are ready for the promised land. And in this season uh, of quarantine and COVID-19, where we can't meet uh, at basis, that we believe that God is actually doing something that's making the roots go so much deeper. And so we're going to be continuing uh, to meet online for the foreseeable future. And here's why. Basis Charter School, they'll start back up uh, toward the end of August. And we're talking to them and seeing if they feel comfortable uh, allowing us to continue to be a part uh, of uh, in that partnership, or if we need to start looking for other places. So we'd love to invite you, church, into praying uh, alongside of us for wisdom and clarity about what God has. But for this foreseeable future, we're 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 seeing these house churches pop up. And what I mean by that is people are in as they feel comfortable or inviting people into their homes to participate in the gathering virtually and then sharing a meal together. And and they're they're being the church, they're building community. And I just want to encourage you to to begin to think about like, what would that look like for you? Um, If you feel comfortable, what would it look like to open up your home and to invite maybe a neighbor over that you know loves Jesus or one that is in asking questions about Jesus? I know, man, some of you right now, we're connecting and you have neighbors over uh, and this is, uh, you've been doing this for a week or two and I'm just so proud of you, church. And so I want to encourage all of us to start thinking about what it would look like 
to open up our home or to maybe go and, uh, and to experience the church together. Um, and to be honest with you, just straight, it's way cooler uh, to experience church in a living room with some friends, uh, even than it is to be in an old gym. So uh, let's take advantage of this season. Well, uh, in this series, we've been looking at um, the, the fruit of the Spirit and walking through Galatians chapter 5, one fruit at a time. And what I want to do is I want to just read this over us as kind of the springboard uh, for our time together. And then we're going to zero in on one of the of the attributes of the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, so Galatians 5 verse 22, it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit, once again, whose fruit? It's the Spirit's fruit. It's not, it's not ours to produce. It's Christ in us that produces this fruit. And what are those? It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and its desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so these fruit, what what it's communicating is this, is as we walk with God, as we walk with the Spirit, that the natural byproduct of our life is to produce these fruit. Just like an apple tree doesn't try hard to produce apples. No, it just stays rooted in the ground. And as it abides in the ground, the soil, those nutrients flow through it and it naturally produces fruit. And the same is true for my life and for your life as we walk with the Spirit. Well, today we're looking at faithfulness and what it looks like to be a person that walks in faithfulness, steadiness, consistency. And so what I want to show us real quick is I want to show us a picture of faithfulness. And I want to remind you that before we ever walk in faithfulness, that we need to realize that God is faithful, that God is always been faithful and he will always be faithful. So I just want to read some passages over you in case you're not convinced. So Deuteronomy 32, 3 and 4, it says this, ascribe greatness to God. The rock, his work is perfect for all his ways are just a God of faithfulness and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. The Psalms, man, all over the Psalms, you see this idea over and over again. Psalm 25, 10, all of the ways of the Lord, like all of them are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. Psalm 33, for the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. Psalm 36, five says, your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens and your faithfulness to the skies. But it's not just the Old Testament. We see this in the New Testament. He continues to be faithful. First Corinthians one says, God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. First Corinthians 10 says this, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. 
1 Thessalonians 5 says, may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this, because the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. So church, God can be trusted. That is for sure. I mean, if you think about it this way, we just spent the last 20 minutes singing about God's faithfulness. We sing a song called Man of Your Word. We say, God, your, your promises are true. Like You're faithful to complete what you've said. And if you say it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And I can trust that. And then we talked about that we can actually build our life on the promises, on the faithfulness of God. And then this concept of that we have a living hope that lives inside of us because that Christ was faithful, that God was faithful to the point of death on a cross. And then we have, have, have hope. And so we've been singing about faithful to, faithfulness to remind ourselves that he is faithful and he will always be faithful. He can be nothing but faithful. So here's what I want to do. I want to just ask you a question today. Where have you seen God's faithfulness in your life? Where have you seen God's faithfulness in your life? And I want to give us just a little bit of time to be able to even process that. And I want you to be honest, I mean, to share it with one another, especially if you're with people. If you're alone, take some time to journal it and be honest. If you haven't seen his faithfulness or maybe you've missed it, and share that. It's, this is a safe place. But I want you to think back and go, man, in this season, where have you seen God be faithful? So take time to process this question. Galatians 5 communicates this truth, that as we walk with God, that his faithfulness becomes our faithfulness. Like if the God of the universe, man, takes up residence inside of us, his spirit lives and dwells inside of us, then his faithfulness is inside of us and it should be exercised through us. That God's faithfulness, don't miss this, God's faithfulness has an impact on you and I. Therefore, our faithfulness should have an impact on the world around us. In Matthew 17, it would say this, that it doesn't take a lot of faith, that even just the faith of a mustard seed can actually move mountains. So just faith of a mustard seed can actually have a massive impact on the world around us. And church, that's what I, I, I want us to be. That's what I want us to step into, that we would be a people of faith and faithfulness, that we would actually get to change the world around us. So here's what I want to do today. I want us to look uh, at the life uh, of a man in the scripture who walked in faithfulness and had a massive impact on the world in which he lived. And so we want to look at the life of King David. So if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 13. As you turn there, and King David, who ends up being the second king of Israel, uh, he defeats Goliath. Um, I mean, just it, he ends up being the great, 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 great grandfather of 
King Jesus. And so the man had a massive impact on the world in which he lived and even today. And it was because of his faithfulness. Now, did he make mistakes? A hundred percent. He did not get it right every time. But God was faithful to him and God's faithfulness ended up causing him to be faithful, which ended up impacting the world. And so I just want to look at the characteristics of that faithfulness so that you and I can begin to walk in that same reality. And so the first thing, the first point I want us to see is this, the posture of faithfulness, the posture of faithfulness. And in 1 Samuel 13, verse 14, it says this, God is speaking, he says, but now your kingdom will not endure. He's speaking to King Saul that made some really unwise decisions and, and totally sinned against God. And because of that, man, the crown was going to be removed from him and given to another. So it says, for now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Here's the beautiful, like the, the, the good news is this, that before we ever know David's name, that we know like something about him, we know that his heart was for the things of God before. And I may maybe think about this for you before anyone ever knows your name. What are the things that that they know about you? What are the things that will be true of you and I? And this scripture says that he was a man after God's own heart. Now, the question is, what exactly does that mean? Well, Acts chapter 13 tells us this. In verse 22 of Acts chapter 13, 22, it says this. After removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him. He said this, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. And here he explains it. Who He will do everything I want him to do. He'll do everything I want him to do. The first thing that we find out about David is that he is willing to do whatever God wants him to do. Before we know his name, before anyone's talking about him, before he ever accomplished anything noteworthy, worthy, the only thing we know that was true about him is that he was fully surrendered, wholeheartedly surrendered to Jesus that there was a yes in his heart before he even knew the questions that God was asking, before he ever knew the plans that God had in store for him. David was after God's heart. He wanted what God wanted. So can I ask you this? Like, what are you after right now? Like, if there was a verse about your life, like, how would it read? That if it said, hey, I found this man, or I found this woman, I found blank, a man or woman after what? After a job? After a significant other? After a family? After video games? A sport? A promotion? What would, how would your verse read? But the truth is David was a man after God's own heart, much like Jesus in the garden. He would communicate to the fathers, like, hey, not my will, like not what I want, but what you want. Jesus never wavered from being completely surrendered to God's will, knowing that before he ever showed up in the manger, it was God's will to crush him. 
this season that we're in right now can be an incredible time of cultivation. My encouragement to you and I is that we would cultivate a heart for the Lord. Practice saying yes. That it's the small daily yeses that prepare you and I for the big world-changing yeses. And I would imagine that many of us are asking in this season, God, what's your will for me? Like, how, how would you use me to impact the world? And my encouragement is when you wake up in the morning, would you just simply say, God, I'm going to say yes to whatever you have in store for me today. I'm going to say yes. I have this as an illustration. I think a lot of times we think about following Jesus as our, as our one big yes. The time we, we, we said that prayer, we gave our life to Jesus, we walked down an aisle and we took our life that is represented by this $100 bill. And what we say is we say, God, it, it's all yours. Like you, you do whatever you want. One big yes. And then I can step back. But I believe that when we surrender our life to Jesus and we say, this life is yours, that God takes the $100 bill and what he does is he gives us $100 worth of quarters. And he says, what I want from you is this. I want your daily small yes. I want you to give them to me one at a time. So tomorrow morning, If by my grace I cause you to wake up, will you spend time with me, Drew? Yes. Drew, will you you walk across the street and love your neighbor? Will you stand up for those who don't have a voice and who have been oppressed? Will you take time to shepherd and love the people that I've given you? Will you respond to your mom's text message because she's worried about you? Yes, that we want to give God our daily yeses. So instead of focusing on one day, let's you and I focus on this day. What can you do today to align your heart with God's heart? I'll tell you this. God shows up probably most often in his word. That's why it's important that we say yes to knowing God's word and spending time with him. David was fully surrendered and his heart was pointed towards God. And church, I want to always lead us to be a people that are saying yes to what God is asking of us. And um, I know that what he has asked of us in this season is that, man, we want to fight for justice. That we want to stand by the oppressed and the marginalized. And I'm going to be honest, I I I know that I'm not going to get this right. I know that I'm going to trip. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to try my best to be faithful to what God has called us to. Be faithful to lead you in that same direction. And church, I I may have just been wrestling over these last few weeks. And I just want to remind us consistently that, listen, worship and justice are the two sides of the exact same coin. If you think about Micah 6, 8, that that God says, hey, listen, you're spending so much time singing songs and sacrificing, and here's what I want from you. I want you to act justly. I want you to love mercy, and I want you to walk humbly with me. Amos 5, he says, I'm sick of your festivals. I'm sick of your songs. 
Like I want you to, to love the oppressed and love the poor. But that's what I've asked of you. And church, I think in this season, if we're not willing to step into those moments, if we're not willing to seek reconciliation and diversify our dinner table, if we're not willing to use our voice to speak for those that have been silenced for so long, then here, just real talk. When, when we say that I, we miss we miss basis, we miss worshiping, we miss being the church, if we're not being the church now, by loving those that God has put in our life and those that he's called us to go love, then here's what we're actually saying. It's not that I miss worship. I, I miss karaoke with a bunch of other people in the room is what we're saying. Because worship is worked out in justice. There are two sides of the same coin. And so right now, listen, I'm not, it's not just a cute adjective. Like I mean it. We're not experiencing a lesser version of the church. Or listen, maybe I'll be so bold to say this. Actually, some of us are experiencing lesser versions of the church. But at least now we see that we're experiencing lesser versions of it instead of all the pretending that we often do. But those that are, that are fighting for justice and fighting to build bridges and love the people around, around them, then they're not experiencing a lesser version of the church. CBC The Rim, we are not experiencing a lesser version of the church. So church, I want to continue to encourage us that this is our mantle to carry. This is our inheritance that we would step into the brokenness and actually impact and change the world that God has entrusted us with. And so just to give you a heads up, this Friday, like we're gonna get a chance to meet downtown and we're gonna meet with some other churches and just we're gonna as just unifying gathering to just pray for the healing over our city and our nation and to pray for those um, man the, the people that have that have that have been uh, ostracized, that have been set aside, that have been forgotten, that have been marginalized, that have been man overlooked and oppressed. We want to step into this and we want to pray that God would do something miraculous. This is a way that our church can step into the daily yeses. We don't know what he has in store for us, but we believe that this is what he's calling us to right now in this season. And our yes is on the table. As we not just do it on a big level, we want to continue to do it on a small level by diversifying our dinner tables by having meals in our homes with people who don't look like us or think like us. And so church, that's what it looks like as we slowly give God our daily yeses. So I, I wanna kick it to you. And I just wanna ask this, what yes is God asking you to put on the table? What yes is God asking you to put on the table? Point number two is this. There's preparation in faithfulness. Not only is there a posture, there's preparation. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 31, it says this about David. 
It says, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, King Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. He's talking about Goliath. He says, your servant will go and fight him. So Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. And he has been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from his mouth. And when it turned on me, watch this, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And what what David is saying is this is that when I was in the pasture taking care of the sheep, God was faithful to protect me from the lion and the bear. And he was faithful then and he will be faithful now. And because he is faithful, it allows David to be faithful and to walk in this faithfulness. That it was in the pasture tending the sheep that God was preparing David for something big that it was in the pasture, it was the behind the scenes, not in the spotlight, that David is, is, is sharpening his skills. And he's defeating lions and bears. He's preparing himself to be able to fight a much bigger giant. That's also, as David is learning to tend sheep and be a shepherd, that's where he also learns to shepherd the people of God. In a lot of ways, we're not much different than these silly sheep. But it was behind the scenes. It was in the dark room. It was in the field that God was developing something in David. And David received that because he was faithful in the small things, behind the scenes when no one was looking. I believe that this season, that 2020, that God is doing something like none of us. None of us have have known what it's like to live through a global pandemic or let alone lead in one. Like none of us with, we're we're walking into this new civil rights movement and like very few people on planet earth and we're leading back then. And so six months into a church plant and all of a sudden the bottom fell out and we're just trying to figure out how to lead and sometimes survive But here's what we know. God is faithful. And if we will continue to be faithful, God is preparing us, I believe, for something significant. That these are phenomenal days that we're walking in. And maybe, just maybe, that God wants to cultivate faithfulness in you in this season. So point number three, as we kind of just land this plane, is this. Not only is there a posture of faithfulness, uh, there's preparation in faithfulness, but there's also the price of faithfulness. That 1 Samuel 18, uh, verse 20, it it says this. It says, now Saul's daughter, uh, Michael, was in love with David. And when they told Saul about it, he was pleased. He said, I will give her to him, he thought so that she may be a snare to him, and so that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. And so Saul said to David, now you have a second opportunity to become my son-in-law. 
So then Saul ordered his attendants, speak to David privately and say, look, the king is pleased with you and his attendants all like you now become his son-in-law. They repeated these words to David, but David said, do you think it is a small matter to become the king's son-in-law? I'm only a poor man and little known. And when the Saul servants told him what David had said, Saul replied, say to David, the king wants no further price for the bride than a hundred Philistine foreskins to take revenge on his enemies. Uh, We don't have time to unpack what a foreskin is. If you have questions, um, ask your roommate or spouse. Uh, Saul's plan was to have David fall by the hands of the Philistine. Now, verse 26 It says, when the attendants told David these things, he was pleased to become the king's son-in-law. So before the allotted time elapsed, David and his men went out, killed 200 Philistines, and he brought their foreskins and presented the full number to the king so that he might become the king's son-in-law. And then Saul gave him his daughter, Michael, in marriage. Here's what I want you to see. That David goes above and beyond and gives Saul, his enemy, his absolute best. I want you to hear, church, Jesus deserves our best. Everything that we do, everything that we touch, we put our signature on it. The question becomes is, what is our signature worth? Are we doing the bare minimum in this season? Or are we giving God our best? I remember there was a, a camp that I visited not too long ago, and I noticed that their staff, uh, they made them take toothbrushes and actually wash rocks, clean rocks around the, the camp. And I remember thinking, this is crazy. Like, why in the world would you do this? Like, no one notices polished rocks. So why would they do this? And one of the camp counselors said it this way, said, because Jesus deserves our best, no matter how small the task is. So if you wash dishes, would you wash dishes as though Jesus is going to eat on that plate? Would you clean toilets believing that Jesus could be the very next person to use the bathroom? Colossians 3.23 says this, whatever it is that you do, work it with all of your heart as though you're working for the Lord. And the second reason was this. They said, because if you'll be excellent in the small things, then you can be trusted with the big things. That if you'll polish a rock and be faithful there, then we think you can be faithful with belaying our kids or you can be faithful with the microphone. Our response to God's faithfulness is for us to give God all we have, to to go above and beyond. And just this week, we we got a phone call. um, As a church, we love the refugees, and we constantly, right in our backyard, we want to look for ways to love and serve them. And this week, um, we had an Egyptian Muslim woman give her life to Jesus, surrender her life. And our friends were like, man, we don't have... Uh, and any any Arabic Bibles um, to be able to give. And so I asked, I was like, well, man, w- our church would love to come alongside of you. Uh, how many do you need? And they're like, well, a hundred, can we do that? And man just felt from this text, God was like, man, we're gonna, we're gonna buy 200. We're gonna give them 200 Bibles 
so that we can invest in a ministry that's loving that these refugees that they could come to know Jesus, they might have a chance to fall in love with Jesus. And so church, this is what we're getting to be a part of. This is us stepping in and go, hey, listen, we're not just gonna do the minimum. We wanna go above and beyond. And so I just maybe extend this invitation to some of you, if you wanna be a part of maybe even delivering some of those Bibles or maybe connecting with our partners in the refugee community, please let us know. We would love to get you involved. Church, will we be excellent in the small things? I'll kind of wrap up with this. Um, in 2014, um, I asked Jane to spend the rest uh, of her life with me. And she, of course, said yes. And I want you to imagine me down on one knee and showing her a ring. And I communicate to her that, like, Jane, I will love you uh, most every day. Like I'm, 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 I'm almost all in and you, I will love you. I'll take care of you, but here's the deal. This is the only rule. I'm going to be 95% faithful to you. I'll be 95% faithful to you. Uh, do you think she would have taken me up on this deal? Uh, of course not, because I want you to see this to be 95% faithful is to be 100% unfaithful. That to follow after Jesus, to be faithful to him, that it requires 100% us going, God, my life is yours. Does it mean we're gonna do it perfect? No, but it means the moment that we stumble, we, we, we get back up and we hand it this and go, Jesus, continue to walk with me. Show me how this works. And the beauty of it is, is that he was 100% faithful for us to show, this what it, what, show us what it looks like. Faithful to the point of death on a cross. And that even in our unfaithfulness, he's faithful. So we look to Jesus. We chase after him. We do whatever we can to get close to him. Because as we walk with him, as we walk with him, faithfulness becomes the byproduct. And my hope is this that at the end of our long lives, that much like Paul, we'd be able to, to quote his famous words where he said this, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing, that he would speak the words over you and I, well done, my good and faithful servant. Church, as we walk with Jesus, may he teach us to be faithful in all that we do. And we have a posture of surrender. May we be faithful behind the scenes and we will be faithful, go above and beyond, even in the small things. I love you, church. And I believe that God is gonna use us to change the world. So continue to press in. Um, I want to give us just 120 seconds. I want to kick it to you. And I'd love for you just to sit as a group or with your journal and you answer this question. God, what are you saying to me right now? What are you trying to speak to my heart? And then how do I walk in obedience to that? Thank you for listening to the CBC The Rim podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. 
If you want to learn more about CBC The Rim, such as our online gathering times, you can find us at cbctherim.com or on Instagram and Facebook at CBC The Rim. We hope to see you soon.